We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Elliot Smithy, Blackman Twitter, Yank Gunner. Hello, everybody. Um, voice is a little rough, although honestly, it's mostly just because I didn't sleep very well last night, but also, you know, the singing at the Emirates, and then there was some singing at the pub, and just a generally good time had by all, uh, as is always the case when I get to come over here. Feel very fortunate to do so and, and saw so many great people. So if I did get a chance to bump into you and say hi, thanks for saying hello. Uh, if I didn't, then you're welcome for me not ruining your weekend, but also, uh, just one of these things where lately I've had very good fortune with the results of the games that I come over for, but people are accusing me of being a coward with the games that I pick. So <laughs> maybe I need to step up my game next time and, and pick a bigger game and see if the, uh, if the same kind of luck can, can continue. But I, I don't think it's luck. I think it's just that we're quite good and we did uh, beat the living snot out of Sheffield United five nil the other day. Uh, fun game to discuss and here to do it with me now is Clive. You can find him on Twitter at Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Lovely to see you yesterday. Yeah, it was good fun. It was a real day of um, people. It was a people day, wasn't it? And yeah. the football was fairly easy. And um, But, yeah, as a reminder of why we all go to football, right? It's not just the team. It's the people that we share the whole experience with and um, met some really nice people. I, I want to say there's one guy that I met yesterday. His name's Max. I just want to give him a shout-out. Um he was very supportive of the podcast, which is which is great, which is normal. But but he was really supportive of the work that patrons have helped us with, and all the people listening have helped us with around supporting the the refugee work in with the Arsenal Foundation. And he, he mentioned that, and the words will stay between me and you, Max. But it was a reminder to me why we do all this. It's it's for other people to share the experience with, and um, yeah, it really made my day meeting him. So great. Yeah, yeah, a, a great day with a lot of uh, things like that. So funny thing, uh, Andrew was over, Ars blog, and uh, we were talking last night, and we realized this is true. We've been to three games together, ever. Three games. Arsenal have won every one of them 5-0. So 
<laughs> I mean, if the club wants to invest in having us come to all the games, you know, I, I wouldn't say no to it. But we did win 5-0, and I, I want to cut to the chase and, and start discussing that. We did a an interesting instant reaction recorded at the ground that we put up in stages. So I hope uh, for people who got that last night, you enjoyed it. But um, obviously a great day for Eddie and Kenny, a hat trick for Eddie and Kenny in a day when it's job done, right? I mean, when the when the bad teams come to your place, you want to smack them. You want to give them no hope. You want to give them nothing to chase and nothing to play for. And that's exactly what we did in the past. You know, I do think that these have been games. Obviously, we haven't always done that. Bournemouth at home last season ended in a positive way. Southampton did not. Obviously, the Fulham game earlier this season. But, but this game yesterday was exactly how you want to approach these things. And I want to start with the lineup. I, I think it's been a while since we've had such an interesting one to discuss. You want to be able to rotate in games like this, but I think given what I'd say is a little bit of uneven form this season, there may have been a little more anxiety around the rotation. I know when we were out in the pub, people were saying, hmm, that's a lot of change. Are we taking them lightly? Um, a change in each line, right? So Kivior came in at the back line. Um, uh, Emil Smith-Rowe came in in midfield. And then obviously Havertz. Well, Havertz is also in midfield. I guess that's a change. But, and then obviously Enkedia up front with Martinelli and Saka. So a lot of change. How did you feel when you saw that in terms of your comfort, but also in terms of realizing just how deep a squad we can actually call upon? Well, the squad feels deeper after a 5-0 win when you make those changes. And this is why the League Cup game at Brentford and the League Cup game got kind of against West Ham are just really important, right? So really important. So for me, there's a few signposts there. So keep you all coming in. That was really to um, take the load off of Gabriel. We played twice for Brazil in the, in the international break, played full nine minutes. And then basically, so looking after his legs, smart. Also, we're going to have a lot of the ball, and Kivio's a quite a technical defender, so that makes a lot of sense. His passing is like a laser, mate. His passing is a bit like Granite Shaka, actually, the way he thumps that ball between the lines. So fair play to him. Also, Zinchenko rested in the week, so he, he, was, he was fresher, you know, to come into the game. Uh, and playing, <coughs> excuse me, playing Havertz on the right and Sifra on the on the left, so inverted eights, if you see what I mean, like, that makes a lot of sense balance-wise. A lot of people have called for that. So we get a chance to see it. They weren't super tested, but they're able to get on the ball, don't get their ankles kicked off and turn around on their strong foot. That made a lot of sense. So the whole the whole thing was, was fine to me, you know, keeping your wide men to the extremities like we normally do, and Eddie doing his work between the centre-backs. So... The balance was very simple. Declan Rice at the base. It makes a lot of sense. And it's good that we can start to rely on the players behind the players because that's where the season's going to be won and lost. And we know that now, don't we? Yeah, we we do. And it's interesting because there are load-bearing walls in any team, right? Like, like there are in any building. There are, in fact, no load-bearing walls in a team. Teams are made up of human beings, not walls at all. But there are load-bearing beams in buildings and there are load-bearing beams in lineups. And I think the selection also tells you about who those beams are, right? William Saliba, Declan Rice, Bukayo Saka, for example. You know, those are players that if they're in the lineup, you feel pretty sure that you're in a good place, that you're going to be all right. And that's that's really how it felt to me when I saw the lineup is with those players in it, I felt pretty confident. I, I want to touch on William Saliba just quickly. We were both purring about him at the end of the game and people were around the stadium. In the early phases of the game, I wouldn't say that we were scintillating. There was a little bit more going around the houses. There was a little bit more being pushed out wide. We were sort of trying to figure out how to break down a very compressed us, uh, Sheffield United team, right? We were talking about there wasn't a lot of distance between our defensive line and our attacking line, just a very, a very compressed game. But the player that I think 
sets the tone is William Saliba. The few times they try to go long, they can't get any joy off him. He he mm-hmm. chases down the ball. He wins the first ball. He was the guy that would play the vertical passes to start opening them up. And I think, you know, especially just at the ground, when you when you see the ball go over the top and there's a little bit of distance and you think, is that is that Sheffield United player going to get onto it? And then Saliba just turns on the Jets and and there's no hope. I think he is a player who sets a tone in a game like this because he he kills that feeling that there's something there for the opposition, which is what you yeah. need so that you can then go on and really thump them, you know? I think the word you're searching for is aura. He has an aura yeah. to him yeah. when he when he goes around the ball. None of us none of us worry. We're just excited to see what he's gonna do next. <laughs> he's gonna turn out, he's gonna do mm-hmm. whatever he wants. He's just got all the tricks. And a lot of it is you often hear me talk about preparation. He's reading of the game. His preparation before, as that ball's being struck, he's just so good. He's always two yards ahead. If you see him stretched, I mean, he's made a mistake somewhere in his reading in the game. But if he does need to be stretched, he he can do it, right? So, um, yeah, he was supreme when he did that. 50% it looked like. It looked like he literally jogged through the game. And it was a really distinct shape we had yesterday. It's very much a 3-2. And he is the central centre-back. And so often when we're winning a game quite easy, your mind wanders, right? So... And you wonder too, who else can do that for us? The central centre back, not just standing there defending, but be our literary playmaker from the, from the back of the pitch. And it's an interesting one because he's so good. I started to think, well, who who could do that if he wasn't there? I don't think he's white, you know, because just to the way he plays, his energy and his his go forwarders, he can do it. I think Kibio will be an interesting option to be the central centre back, just because of his playmaking abilities, you know, on the ball. And the way he moves it, I think he profile-wise, he could be the closest that we have. Um, but interesting thought, just me thinking ahead, really. But yes, Lieber, well, 120-odd passes he did yesterday. And you could tell that he was running the show, the way the game state went. He was running the game and absolutely superb. Yeah, I mean, it is it is the rare combination of physical tools, right? Uh, size, pace. Um, just the strength that he shows, and then the technical skills, 134 touches, as you referenced, 123 passes of 128 completed. That's 96.1%. Um, yeah, and 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 not just going back to his keeper, right, or going over to Kibior. Um, 108 carries in the game, you know, six progressive passes. He just, he, he's, he's a Rolls Royce, and it's funny that everybody has a different way of describing a player. Everybody is the same way of describing him. You just hear Rolls Royce over and over and over again, and I, I think it's it sums him up because he he is elite. Now, not everything was, I think, sunny happy days early in the game. There was a little grousing that we were just a little bit slow, a little bit lacking in directness. We saw something I think for the first half hour. I mean, maybe even the first half, if we're being honest, that has been a bit of an issue this season, which is that willingness to let the game just get shunted out wide, to go out to the wide spaces and then have Bakayo or Martinelli somewhat isolated, you know, trying to take on two men, and then the ball going back out to the middle. Um, and I just want to analyze that period quickly because it, it winds up being obviously a very fun day and n- not a lot to criticize, but I, I think that is an interesting period of the game, and I'm wondering why you think that's about. Is it about you know, not being in a hurry to win the game, so to speak, to, you know, just control it first and then ultimately win it? Or or is there really a challenge that we're facing in terms of finding those those vertical passes in, into central spaces? Because it does seem the teams are getting more compact, like Sheffield United did. 
And we have been a bit too content, I think, to just go uh, around the outside. Yeah, let's, let's just make this a bit more of a general point because I did have a quick watch of the game this morning, just like a half-hour section, and see what we're doing and to see if we notice how we're playing. I can definitely see Declan Rice playing a bit more central passes into Havertz's feet. He's really trying to whip it around the corner. Uh, I also think to go out wide is not the worst thing in the world. You need to keep doing it because what happens is they have to shuffle over to to double up to stop our wingers, right? Keep doing those doggies out to the outside. What will happen is you'll create the yard separation you need on the inside, then turn around and progress the ball. So you almost need to jab them first, jab them, jab them gently on the outside to pull them apart. And if you look at the highlights, look at the goals in the second half, look how far off they were off of us. They were so not tight. And the reason why they're not tight, because they were tired. They were tired going from side to side. And it's it's difficult for us to watch because we just want to we just want to see a goal, we want to see excitement, we want to see collisions, we want to see clashes. But in, in some ways, I'm watching Arteta and I'm watching him. I'm very lucky where I sit earlier. I can see him. And every time we forced it forward, he was fuming. He turned away, turned around. He's not even having that. He wanted us to be even more patient. So when Steve dinks from over the top and it rolls out for a goal kick, I think it's about once to be fair, rolls out for a goal kick. He's not happy with that. He's literally turning away. He wants us to circulate, move it, jab him, jab him, jab him until we get what we ended up with the end of the game, which was five goals for a team that was tired, that decided to sit further in and then naturally compress closer to their goal, which means we can create one twos momentum. So I'm trying to mature my thinking, Elliot, to be honest. It's a different way. Teams are defending differently. They're defending with a front two sometimes to stop us going to central areas. Sometimes it's three plus three, really tight, saying to you, they're, they're the areas that we want you to go to, to the outside, because we trust our ability to travel. The difference between Chelsea and the Emirates, like I said, for United, when we went to the outside against Chelsea, the ball was travelling slow and the pitch is a little bit tighter. It looks that way to me. And they could get out to us. They're good athletes. They'd get out to us and keep us at bay for longer. And so the options to go over was obvious to me. But I get the Emirates on a sunny Saturday, mate. That ball moves, and you have to do your work. And we we broke them physically in the end, and um, ran away clear clear winners. Yeah, yeah, and and we also did some interesting things in terms of where players played. Um, I wanted to ask you just about some stuff that we saw uh, that included Bakayo Saka playing a decent chunk of the game. Not not a huge chunk, but a chunk at left eight. Uh, Kai Havertz moved out to the right wing. And Saka came in field and played over on the Martinelli side for a bit. There was some swapping around. I thought that was interesting. I mean, do you think that there was sort of an instruction there? You think it's something that Mikel wanted to look at in a game that was maybe a little lower stakes? Get get a chance to see if that helps get them combining or open things up? Or you think it just happened to be in the moment Bukayo went there and decided to hang out there for a bit? I don't mind. I, I honestly, if we with positional play, as long as someone else fills in, it doesn't really matter, does it? You should have the freedom to rotate and go where you like. And as teams watch us and get to know what our super strengths are, in fact, we have players that can play on the outside and inside that we don't worry. So you look at that, you look at that front five, all of them have spent time on the outside in their careers and all of them can play on the inside. So why not? I mean, even Eddie's had time on the left wing. So he knows what it's like on the exterior. We know Smith Rowe does. We know Havertz does. And so, and we know Saka can, right? So, so yeah, absolutely. Why not rotate the moves and create different pictures for people, create different problems and, I think it's the, I think I'm all for that. 
because it's the evolution of this team is something I know I keep saying about trying to get rid of last year in our minds. The reason why, because we have to. Because if we did what we did last year, it's not going to be enough. You know, we have to find new ways to skin the cat. And, um, and we are. And I think it's really, really good what we're doing at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to, to have the ability to, to try variations on a theme. I mean, the thing about this, Clive, before we get into the Eddie and Kedia goals and before we get into, you know, some of the, some of the really just fun things that happen in the game, mm. there has been this debate over control, I think. You know, have we, are we now too much about control and not enough about intent to score? But I I think there is I have never seen an arsenal that is this dominant in terms of denying the opposition any sense that they could be in the game. I've seen Arsenal teams that are more swashbuckling, that are more fun, that cut teams open. But I've seen those teams give something away at the other end. And being there at the ground, and I, I think just seeing how little territory Sheffield United had, what I've started to realize, I think, is that all of that control and possession and territorial dominance has to take an immense physical and mental concentration toll on the opposition. And maybe that's why we're scoring less early, but more as the game wears on, because watching Sheffield United try to shift and shuffle and stay compact and keep their lines compressed and not get out of shape... Doing that for 90 minutes is hard. This game ends 3.0 to 0.0 on XG. They had two shots, uh, neither with an XG that got to that first decimal place. So FB ref only goes to one decimal place. So 3 to 0 XG, you'll take that all day. They had two shots. After the 21st minute, they did not have another shot in the game from anywhere. One of the shots was from 55 yards out. So, like, I, I didn't know why it was even registered as a shot. So do, do you think there's something to that, that this control we're having on games has sort of – like almost an erosion effect, right? A, a a slow cobra-like effect of just strangling the energy and the focus and the concentration out of the opposition. And so maybe it doesn't reap the, the rewards early in the match, but it does as the match wears. <clears throat> yeah, I think I thought I think I saw an article from Scott this week talking about how we're not scoring in the first 50 minutes as much. And yeah. I think that's fine. Again, we're thinking back to last year, right? So and those those that Liverpool game, we came out of the blocks like a million miles an hour and scored. I mean, it's so exhilarating. You don't forget those moments. But again, I, I also remember the Villa game when they were punching into our sides and scoring down our sides and getting the ball out and putting us under real pressure. Right? And that those games are, are not so regular right now. So, hey, look, we're trying to win this thing. And to win this thing, you need to take away risk. You need to de-risk your team and find a way to control I'm. I did. I did. I felt the Sheffield United game was not really a game to focus too much on control because it wasn't really a contest. From a contest point of view, mm. it, it wasn't one. It was a chance to see our players play and a chance to see our patterns play, a chance to see what lessons that we are learning. And because um, when it came to any sort of physical duel or a running race, we just ran back and took it off them. You know. And um, <clears throat> so as a contest, it wasn't wasn't superb. So then it's all about individuals doing their work properly and having good first touches and good control and winning their duels to create that, I call it yesterday, I call it, create that chain reaction in our flow. So the ball's now flowing, unlike Chelsea, the ball's moving across the grass, it's flowing. When you chop somebody, the ball moves too quickly, you chop them, unbalance them, now the next player needs to show himself and then you've got, you got, you got some flow going, you've got a move going and we got better and better and better at that until the point where they just surrendered. So I, I'm... I like what we're doing, and you know I'm a pragmatist. I, I I don't like to see people near our goal. I just don't like it. <laughs> right? So um, yeah. and so I would focus yeah. on. I'm always looking at the base of our team and how we 
hit them in midfield because I know we've got the talent up front to score. I want to make sure that people do not run through our midfield. And this is so different to Chelsea. Chelsea are better side by, but um, we had no one running for us today and yesterday, sorry. And um, it was nice to watch. Got to watch Chelsea lose from the Tollington yesterday. That was fun. Um, yeah. They got a lot of flowers, right, for a 2 2 draw at home. A lot of flowers mm. for that. And I wasn't having that at all. I felt the conditions helped them. I thought he leveled it out. I felt they got a, they got a penalty, which is really lucky. And they got a, a toad miss hit cross. Maximum reward for some running about. I was not having that performance. And um, so I'm glad we've redressed that balance with our good home performance. Yeah, it's interesting. I, not to go back to the Chelsea game too much, but the thing that's really been a problem for them all season is scoring goals. And against us, they really got gifted to, right? A soft penalty and a mishit cross. I mean, without that, you know, we know what the outcome would be. Um, by the way, speaking of Sheffield United, I mean, they are dreadful. And you look down at the bottom and you got teams like, you know, Luton now look like a team that could stay up. Could very well stay up, and not not because they're excellent, but because I think Everton are getting a twelve point deduction. Is that right? So like, it's in the offing. It's not done yet. I don't believe, but um, that's going to be a, have a size. If it does happen, that's going to be seismic. I mean, Everton are obviously we know what they are. They're one of the original big five, and they've got a ground being built. There's, there's a lot of money invested in that in that club. It, it makes you wonder what the future could look like. So um, yeah, but Sheffield look really poor. Man. I, I've rarely felt this relaxed watch a game of football ever. They were that bad. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be curious to see when, like, the Burnleys and Lutons of the world come to the Emirates to see how that compares in terms of the game. But uh, just a, re- a really professional performance and the kind of performance that, if you know what it felt like? I hate to say this because it's so reductive, but it felt like what City games look like when they play these terrible teams at the Etihad. You know what I mean? Where, like, mm. from minute one, you're like, ah, they have no chance. They just have, they have no chance why am I watching this game? You know, they're not giving anything away. It, I mean, the, credit to the away fans. They tried to sing a bit, but like there wasn't a lot of life in them. I, you know, a bit, but but not a ton because it just, it, we weren't giving anything away. And so I, I guess we should, we've we've gone 20 minutes without getting into Eddie and Kedia. So, so let's just do it. Um, you know, I, everybody approaches football and football analysis and watching football in a different way. Right, Clive, like you have a very unique ability to look at football and and express what you see on the pitch in a way that really people connect to, but everybody connects to the game differently. And there are qualities in players that like I enjoy and I rate more highly and others that maybe I I don't value enough. But I think what yesterday made me realize a bit is for all that I want players who can do like what Gabriel Jesus did to set Martinelli away in Sevilla, don't underestimate the value of having someone who plays in the nine position, who can just stick the ball in the back of the net. And for whatever you think of Eddie Nketiah's shortcomings, and they exist, Eddie Nketiah, when he plays, has consistently had a pretty darn good return, sticking the ball in the back of the net. And as easy as that game felt yesterday, I didn't feel like it was a foregone conclusion when it was at nil-nil that there was a goal coming. It required a moment of brilliant striker play. And Declan Rice fires that ball. And by the way, it, you know what? All it took, Clive, up the tempo a tiny bit. I know your point that Mikel was losing his mind when we were doing certain things that, that that were potentially risky, but it was one vertical pass, one ball played first time, one ball fired into the box, tempo, 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 and then Eddie, that that first touch is so clean, so smooth, a beautiful little uh, swivel to get himself open in the box, and then the finish is easy. But I think 
There wasn't, I, when that goal came, there wasn't a feeling in my mind that was like, it's imminent, it's coming, we're tearing them apart. Tempo quickens a bit, and then he shows real quality center forward play. And I, you know, from there, he obviously gets two more, but that that moment is why the game winds up being so easy, you know? Yeah, I thought it's quite interesting. I watched a little bit of that this morning, and funny enough, he, he got pushed out of the box by, I think, Austin Trusty. And again, a player that I looked at last year playing for Bergen looked really, really good. Premier League levels a little bit different. Didn't look so good yesterday. And um and he got pushed out of the box. And in some ways it allowed Eddie to come onto the ball. <laughs> he gave him he pushed him out and said, allowed him to come onto the ball. Eddie's first touch not only controls the ball, but takes Trusty out of it by pushing across him and and he slots in. It's a really clean goal. Eddie's a player that I I struggle with. And you know, you know honesty is very important. I, I struggle with him on occasions. And I and I then when I struggle with a player, I have to ask myself, why am I struggling to see him? Why can't I see him? Let me bring some new inputs in. And then I think back to his role in the squad. And if I look at him with his role in the squad, he's really, really good. Do I want him playing every single week for Arsenal as a number nine? I, I would want somebody else. Fortunately, we have that somebody else. He's a bit injury prone at the moment. But we have that somebody else. If you look at Eddie's role in the squad as one of our forward players that we can call on, he does a really good job for that role. So rather than try to wish cast him into our team, I look at the role and the role he provides, and then I have a bit more balance to my analysis. He's a challenging player because he came on in Seville this week. And honestly, mate, if you could have subbed a sub, you would have done it. Right, so because um, he was blowing, and it's just it was just a, maybe the game, the pace of the game late on was was hard for him to get up to. Then yesterday he looked so smooth, he looked so athletic, he looked so quick. Everything was sent with a boot. That's like four days later. It's like wow, you know, was it your position or was it just him feeling comfortable? I mean, it's not the finishes. Well, that the third goal was just incredible. You know, it's just incredible. The power, the technique, the confidence. That's no joke. That is no joke. You know, and if, if Ollie Watkins did it, or Isaac did it, or Callum Wilson did it, Rashford did it, we'd be going mad. But Eddie's done it. And so I have to take these inputs in, in a slightly different way. I mean, and just hope that he keeps doing it because we're going to, we, we need him desperately, don't we? We need him desperately because let's be honest, our main centre forward has missed a lot of football matches. And so Eddie's dependence is only going to grow. So um, our dependence on him is is, is is really important. So, yeah, it's a fair play to him. He, he, I, I don't read him easily. I don't read him well. He's one of the players that I struggle with. But you can't miss that. You'd be blind not to see his improvement and where he's ended up. I just got a lot of respect for him. Three very different goals showing very different kinds of qualities as a striker too. Like one is real, I think, in-the-box center-forward play, the first one. There's just fox in the box, right? Being in the right spot at the right time, quickest to the ball. And then there's individual brilliance from outside of the box. I mean, it's it's quite the range he showed for those. Yeah. Things. The last goal in particular, I mean, that surprised everybody. You know, I don't know who it was where you were sitting earlier, but I'm sitting right behind that one. And that ripped mm -hmm. in. That was no fluke. That was whoosh, you know, ripped in. And um, so, yeah, I did, know, did not know he had that. He's like, in fact, I'm not, I think I might be the furthest goal he's scored distance-wise ever, but I mean, so it's a surprise to everybody, but that was top, top class. There's no no joke about that. 
Yeah, and and I mean it, it's interesting too because uh, you know we have, the, we have the Discord for for uh, patrons and the Discord has a match day chat channel. And just to give you a sense of what the tone is like in there, there's also a calm match day chat channel because the match day chat channel is just nonstop head loss. Um, so shout out to the disco boys and girls. But like, uh, but I scroll back a little because you know during the game I was just sort of hopping in there, post a few things, and like uh, right up until he scores his first goal, there was a lot of frustration with him, and I think yeah. it just reflects the things we we want from that position and i really have to like remind myself not every player can do it the same way you have to you have to evaluate the skills the player has not the skills the player doesn't you know like there's players like adama traore adama traore is the best dribbler in the world a lot of good that does him right because <laughs> right because he he can't pass the ball to a teammate or stick the ball in the back of the net um yeah. but like i don't know that eddie will ever appeal to me in terms of the aesthetics because of the way I like those technical players who can combine and, you know, get in the midfield and set players away like like Jesus does or, you know, beat a player so badly they fall over. I, I like that. But Eddie Nketiah sticks the ball in the net. And like in a, in a game where the opposition had no hope but someone had to break the floodgates, he did it. So I, I like what you've said. He has a role that is important. We have a player whose role is starting striker for Arsenal, presumably. I think where the debate has come up, Clive, is there are people that I think would prefer that the next man up when Jesus is not available is Kai Havertz. And I certainly don't think Kai Havertz has done anything to warrant that position, right? Um, I, I don't think it's like he's blown the doors off when he's pleased. He's had a couple of good center forward cameos for us, both of them, I think, against Manchester City in the in the league game and in the Community Shield. But if that's the debate, right? If the debate is when Jesus isn't there, should it be Havertz or should it be uh, Nketiah? Like right now, it's not a debate. <laughs> you know. Well, this morning it's not. It's not a debate. Doing what's required. <clears throat> this morning it's not a debate. But it's like it's almost like going into an art gallery, right? You see a painting, and if you look at it long enough, you see different things. Every game is different. It's the same thing. You're looking at a painting. Every game is different. This game suited Eddie. I feel if we'd have played half a centre forward against Chelsea, we'd have won the game because <laughs> you know, of the way that game played yeah. out, right? So, um, and so, yeah. So a week later, we're thinking different things. The thing is, we have them both, and I think it is about roles, but it's also about embracing your role. You know, it's about embracing your role on the day, and I think that's really key. I think Eddie embraces his role really well, and it's obvious his teammates respect him and they respect his effort he puts in off the pitch, etc. He's well-liked, well-loved, and people can, in the club can see his talent. That's why he's got his contract, right? And um, <clears throat> I often say with the Hay Leonard, I put him and Nelson and Spiffro together. He's, in, he's at the front, mate. He's at the front. He's doing it. He's doing it, you know, he's doing it to the best of his ability. He's at the front. He's paid the most minutes, obviously, but he's at the front of that group at the moment, and um, and he's producing. Havertz now, it's a to be confirmed, isn't it? To be confirmed, if somebody is trying to assimilate into the group, we move him around a little bit. We try to support him. We sit him. We play him. We play him left eight, right eight. Now he's played centre forwards on occasions, and he's been okay in all of them. Not all of the time, but okay. You feel there's something bubbling there that you just want to see come out. So I have a frustration about that. But his talent is clear. His physique is is unique to what we ha to our group, and so they're both. You know, I look at them both and say, look, they're here. They're ours. And now it's about how we use them and how they accept their role on any given day. Yeah. Look, 
this is a tough game to analyze in some ways because you get this fun Eddie and Ketty hat trick, but outside of that, you just have a dreadful team that rocked up with no chance to do anything at the Emirates. We absolutely strangled the life out of the game, killed them dead, and it's like it almost feels like a non-event. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they they had so little life in them and, and and provided so little resistance. And there's a tendency to want to just say it's because we are excellent. I think that is true. I think there's a little bit of the other thing too, which is that they're no good. But so it makes it a hard game to analyze because you, you analyze a game that's a battle, right? You analyze a game that has ebb and flow, that has strengths and weaknesses. And like, this was not a battle. This this fight was over before it started. So um, I, I do want to get a little more into the, the Havertz and Emil Smith-Rowe performances. I want to get your thoughts on like um, some of the players that got to play that we don't see as much. Moel Nenny actually got back on the pitch. Nice to see. A um, couple other moments that I want to break down. Let's do this, though. Let's uh, get the advertising. I was going to say out of the way, but of course, this is a, a value add to any listeners that are listening to this because you get to find out about great brands that are obviously going to be an influential part of your life. Uh, and one of those is NordVPN. By the way, have used NordVPN while I've been over here so that I could actually watch games and uh, watch some of my uh, streaming stuff that I, that I used back in the States. So while I was over here, click on the app, click on the United States, and boom, it's like you're browsing over there. NordVPN makes it easy because uh, there's an app you can put on your computer, a PC, or Mac, or an iPad, or an iPhone, or an Android phone, you know, not flip phones, but any other phone, you know, um, you're going to actually have to have the internet on your phone for this to work. But what it does, it basically allows you to browse wherever you want to browse from. So if you need to be able to watch a game that's blacked out, or you need to be able to watch a video streaming site that doesn't work in the country you're in, you could do that. It does give you privacy, um, which is really important. Obviously, you don't want people tracking your your browsing and, and you know, what you're going to and what you're doing on the internet. There's threat protection as well. By the way, Nord is celebrating November, which is, November is essentially just a, a, a a moment to recognize men's health issues, particularly uh, testicular and prostate cancer. And so there's donation opportunities available through Nord that you can do. So they, they want to let you know about that. And basically, I feel like what they've brought to the table is the strongest um, trial offer that they've ever had with us. So what you can do is you can go to nordvpn.com slash arsenalvision. That's nordvpn.com slash slash is slash slash is me trying to talk after a bit of a rough night nordvpn.com slash arsenal vision and what they're going to give you is four additional months for free that's a lot four bonus months like that's a lot um so four additional months for free and uh you also get a 30-day money-back guarantee. So absolutely go ahead and check out nordvpn.com slash arsenalvision, and uh, I think you'll find it is the best VPN you're going to use. Now, this podcast is also sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you know, it's just this simple. For some people, therapy is not affordable. It's not accessible. It's not something you can get out and do. Maybe it's not easy to get to in your area, or you feel that there's a stigma around it, and so you just don't do it. I can promise you anybody, no matter how healthy you feel or in need of support you feel, the therapy will be a positive experience for you and, and BetterHelp makes therapy achievable um, by making it more affordable, by making, making it more accessible, by allowing you to do it in a way that's comfortable, by matching with a therapist that fits your needs and being able to change if necessary. You can do it camera off. So if you're not feeling like, um, you know, you want to show your face, you don't have to. I just think this is a way, look, if you're in crisis, therapy can help, but therapy can help you avoid being in crisis. It can also help you just unlock your potential by 
helping you work through the things that might hold you back that you're not even familiar with. You go to the gym or you eat healthy because you know you got to take care of your body, got to take care of your mind as well. So therapy is a great way to do it, and you can do it with BetterHelp. Go to betterhelp.com slash vision today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash vision. Clive, is that enough of that? Indeed. Not it. Okay. Um, good pregnant pause there. Nicely done. Nicely done. Um, okay. Yeah, well, well, let's get to Emil Smith-Rowe. It's interesting. Emil Smith-Rowe is a player that I feel like universally everybody is rooting for. I don't think I've ever met any Arsenal fan who's not like, I love. I don't like Emil Smith-Rowe. You know, I don't want him to succeed. To be fair, Arsenal fans want every Arsenal player to succeed. But you know what, you know what I mean? There are some that people like, they don't like. Universally... Universally, everyone seems to really like and want Smith Rowe to succeed. But as you said on a recent pod, it might have been the we did a three big questions for for patrons on Friday, um, mostly around Odegaard's form, around the that the eights role there, about the attack, a couple other things. But I think you said you know it's five hundred days basically since you know Smith Rowe has been the Smith Rowe that we remember. This was a big chance for him. I, I mean. There's been criticism of Mikel that he just hasn't given Smith Rowe a chance. You know, that he's let other players come in who 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 haven't maybe done the job and he hasn't given Smith Rowe a chance. Well, he is clearly trying to give him his moment. He's using him more now than he has recently, and he gave him a start here. And I'd like to say that it was a stepping stone to bigger things from Emil, but I'm not convinced he grabbed the opportunity with both hands. I don't no one was bad in this game because we were so dominant. But I don't think he made, necessarily made the statement that you'd like to be able to make to to continue to get chances. What what did you think? Because it wouldn't surprise me if he started again against West Ham, which again would be another step up the ladder, right? Showing he can be fit, showing he can play every three days. These are things he needs to prove. But I'm not I'm not convinced he grabbed this opportunity with both hands. What about you? Uh, again, it's back to the memories we used to have. So again, while I'm trying to wipe last season from my mind. Is I want to create, I want to allow this team to evolve and see different things, allow us to be more stable. It's the same with football players, right? You you need to almost wipe the memory as they develop into a position. I was talking in the pub yesterday with, I think Jacob was there as well. And I, was, I sort of said to him, I said, look, if I, there's three of us there, I guess, what do you think his best position is? And all, all three of us may have a different answer, right? So straight away yep. you have a debate. You have a debate. What's his best position? And then you look at the team, how it's evolved. Where does he fit in this team? Is he in the interior or is he in the exterior? And then you have to allow him time to define that, that role in his own image. He put it all together, plus he's been injured for a year. Well, how can we expect him to be what we think what he used to be when he was when we were a younger team, when we had less expectations on us, we were eighth, and he pulled us up by our bootstraps with Saka when we were eighth. And he scored like ten goals in a season, whatever it was. And a lot of those goals are one-touch finishes for, you know, arriving in the box. He's an unbelievable finisher, really smart and clever in his arrival. And we were a different team, different standards. We're talking about we're talking about the very best standards. But not only has he been missing, but the team has evolved upwards. And he has to find his role in that group. Now, I watched Saliba at Chelsea last the other week, and he'd obviously had a bit of a rest over the international break of his injury. And I felt he looked a little bit sluggish for, for two weeks out. He still was brilliant, but he looked a little bit sluggish on, on, on the recovery runs. Just things that we would notice as Arsenal close watchers. That's just with two weeks with little reduced training. Smith Rose had 500 days away from the limelight. And I'm trying to be patient. How can we expect him to be that 
bombastic charging runner at top speed until one, he feels really confident in his body until he, and two, he really finds his role within the team. I think, um, I've been reading, I read somewhere, maybe I dreamt it, but I read a headline that he's really made a step in training and he's, he's now asked what gave him his chance the other week and now he's got his chance yesterday and I think he'll play at West Ham. Back to what Arteta values, what you do in training is really important, that's why he values Eddie so much. And so Smith Road may have had a penny drop, but he's recognised something and he's starting to let his talent go. That's what this is all about, letting your talent go. It's not about... It's not about your talent. It's about you letting it go and applying yourself in the game. We all know he's talented enough. You know? And I think that's why we all, a lot of people love him. And again, a player that I'm trying to be patient with, Elliot, 500 odd days between starts is a long, long time. You know, And so we have to give him well into next year to see what's in that body. And we, and we will know. You know, within, by the end of the season, we'll know where he is exactly. And by the way, the way we look at football now as football fans... The game is so transient, news is so transient. Eddie was jogging around in Seville and people weren't having him. And three days later, he's a hero, got a hat-trick and looked absolutely super sharp. Smith Rowe could go to West Ham on Wednesday, stick to him in the back of their net. We've got a new player. You know, it, really that quickly, we've got a new player and he's putting pressure on somebody else for their role. But he just needs to be in the room, working at it, be in the room to allow yourself a chance to impact this, this first 13, 14, that's where he needs to get to in the next phase of his career. Well said. Um, yeah, I don't I don't have anything to add. I just, um, what I do hope is that we don't have sort of sacred cows in the squad. You know what I mean? Because we're, we're trying to get to a level where we can't afford that. And what I mean is that if players don't get to the level that we expect them to get to, or we think they might not get there, patience is a virtue, but excess patience is not because football waits for no club. You know what I mean? Um, we are going to have to make hard decisions along the way. There are players that are not going to come along on this journey. I mean, like, Sambi Lakanga is not coming along on this journey, right? Like, Nuno Tavares are not coming along on this journey. There are some players that we care more about because they came up through our academy that we want to be more patient with and we maybe believe in their talent. Because, to be fair, we have seen Emil Smithrow look very good, um, but in a very different type of arsenal that played a very different type of way um so i i get torn between the wanting to be patient and understanding the virtue of being patient while also recognizing that we are going to have to have a, a measure of ruthlessness about how we give squad positions out and how we fill squad positions if we really are serious about going all the way to the very top of the game you know what i mean yeah 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 when he arrived in the in the team he arrived in the team martinelli was was coming back from injury and right, and so he wasn't being overplayed. He arrived in the team as a as a left sider on the on the outside. Did really, really well. Shared that role with Martinelli. Sometimes dropped over to the to the ten role. But and then, but now you look at the squad and you think, well, Trossard's arrived. Vieira's arrived since then. Havertz has arrived since then. Martinelli's turned into a <laughs> a a two hundred grand a week superstar that runs out the wind. You know, and so that debate's over. You know, and everything's changed. You know, everything's changed. And and he's, while it's all been happening, he's been injured. And how frustrated he must feel, right? Because he was thinking, I was there. I was in the England squad. I was right there. He has to rebuild that confidence. He has to rebuild himself. And so I'm holding my thoughts. You, know, you, you sort of done me yesterday in, in our IR, 
I would, if I was on my own, I would never have done any stock falling. We had to, we, you made me pick a couple. And, uh, and I don't think anyone's a stock falling today. And I think our conversation was on along the lines of keep working. The standards are rising. Stay in this room. Stay here. Eddie's a great example. Stay in this room. And the only way you can do that is by improving your output. Well, but that's a great example, right? Like if you said, who are the players that started yesterday where there are questions around their role and questions around their contribution? Eddie and Kenny would be one of them. Emma Smith-Rowe would be another. Kai Havertz would be another. Well, of that trio, I know the one of them that grabbed the opportunity with both hands and said, you still you still have questions about me? You know what? I'm not saying a hat trick against a bad side answers every question, but it goes a long way. You score a hat trick in the Premier League. There are you know a lot of, a lot of good players who have never done it. Uh, Eddie and Kenny has done it. And did it quite brilliantly. So, you know, and, and oh, by the way, like you can say, well, it's a crappy Sheffield United team. Well, guess what? Smith Rowe and Kai Havertz were playing against that same crappy Sheffield United team. And I think didn't quite get to sparkle in the way that you'd hope. I have to admit, Clive, I found it very, very interesting that Fabio Vieira took the penalty. And by the way, we are getting lots of penalties this year and uh, the, this season. And all I can say is some of that might be luck and it, that luck might run out. But there's something to be said about having all of the final third possession and getting the ball into the box as much as we do. And you're going to just have more penalties when you have the ball there more. But what what did you think of that, Vieira taking the penalty there? Because, I mean, the, the clock end was already starting to sing 60 million down the drink. High Havertz scores again, and, and they didn't give it to him. But you made a point on the IR that I actually thought was really, really clever too, which is, we don't want Kai Havertz to become some charity case. So give him the penalty to pluck him up again. Kind of, you know, this isn't um, show friends; it's show business. You know, and and so if Havertz wants another goal, you know, run around and open play and score one. I just I was surprised to see Vieira take it, but he scored it. That's all that matters. Yeah, and um, he he did. He's very he's he's very comfortable with penalties, isn't he? He's got a superb technique. And um, with the exception of MetLife Stadium, he's very. Comfortable oh, I didn't with see that one. Yeah, I didn't see that one. So uh, yeah. you saw it live. <laughs> if you look up in the sky, you might see it. <laughs> yeah, you saw it live. So um, yeah, you got that burned in your brain. I, I I didn't see that one live. So um, so yeah, my my thoughts on on this maybe rolling into Havertz a little bit. Similar, similar to Smith Road. It's it's not it's not a talent issue. It's a it's an implementation of talent. And I spoke yesterday about him not being a flat track bully, but I almost wanted him to be one. And the stadium really wanted him to score. So the last kick of the game when he flashed that near post shot into the side netting, mm. that goes in. That's that's the moment of the day. And even though I listened to a commentary today on Sky and um, Izzy Christensen was was doing the co commentary. She's actually really good actually on on the tactical side of things. And she noted that everyone in this stadium wants him to score. So we've gone from a situation where, and the club has been quite good on this actually, we've gone from a situation where, oh my gosh, we're not sure about here, but it, it being a little bit sticky online, to actually we need to support this player and the manager's asked for support and patience. And I feel in the ground that everybody is trying to support this player. Everyone wants this player to succeed. And I just feel... He needs to do his part of the bargain now because we've been re- we've been cool, we've been really cool about this. And again, is that when I say he needs to do his part of the bargain? But actually, in time, he just I want him to produce. I, I don't want it to sound like he needs to do it. No, nah, I want him to well, produce. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he does need to do it. Yeah. But I want him to produce. You know, I want him to find that finish. I want him to find that important moment where he can do, he can do something important in an important game. 
we I, I want us to find players earlier, you know. Our schedule yeah. is a worry. It's a worry. We have so many games. Yep. We need more contributors to this. You know, and um we're not seeing it like Spurs playing every seven days and roll and rocking up in shape with no injuries. We are we got our centre forward in the in the in the box level, you know. He's he's in street clothes. And we've got a centre mid. You know, we've got issues that are developing with injuries. We've got our skipper, potentially, with an injury. Great spot by Andrew, by the way. S- simply, we've been criticising his form. It's based potentially on injury, and that's why he didn't play yesterday. We need these players, Edith. We need them to step up, to be able to have us, the Eddies, the smith Rose, And maybe that's why our eyes are more critical on them, because we know they're important to the, to the whole season. Well, and I think also, right, if you think about it, when you have a very, very good team that feels very settled in a, in a lot of departments, you're naturally going to debate the players that aren't that aren't the piece that everyone agrees on, right? So I think for the most part, people would say Saka, Jesus, Martinelli across the front three in a big game. That's what you'd want out there. I think everybody would say White, Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko. Everyone wants Declan Rice out there. Those next two positions, I, I presume everybody wants Odegaard out there. So that's room for one. And what we don't know is, should it be Rice, Party, and Odegaard? Should it be Rice, Jorginho, and Odegaard? Should it be Rice, Kai, and Odegaard? Should it be Rice, uh, Smith, Rowe, and Odegaard? Like, that last piece, that left eight piece, that midfield dynamic, it's the last piece left in the group. I mean, set the goalkeeper aside. There's obviously people that will still want to debate that. I just don't, I think that debate's over, frankly. But I... I just feel because that piece is the one, if I told you to name an Arsenal 11 that's going to go on and be our 11 for the rest of the season and they'll all be fit to play, I don't know that if you ask 10 Arsenal fans, you'd get 10 same answers in that one. 10 of the 11 players, they'd all name the same 10. It's that 11th player, that left eight position, that third midfielder that I think there'd be a lot of disagreement on. And so that's why a lot of the analysis winds up centering on that because we want someone to step up and make that role theirs, and we were kind of hoping it'd be Kai, you know, because that's why we bought bought him. And it, and it still could be right, and um, and we have injuries that are maybe making that making us not see so clearly. Because after Charity Shield, I was pretty clear what our first eleven looked like. <laughs> it mm-hmm. looked really, really good, and um, and since then, one of those players got cruciate, and, <laughs> and so we've completely lost that, right? So, um, yeah. so I'm I'm part in Rice and Bay played together. I think I had 15 minutes since, which was against Man City when towards the end of the game. And and that is the point. That is a discussion. I know, I know, Elliot. You're so focused on starting eleven, so you're not the only one, by the way. Um, mm. well, we all, when we see a starting eleven, it, it affects us all, right? But, but you know, the Man City game is about the finishing eleven as well. The Chelsea game, you know, how we held out in Seville, having the quality on the pitch to hold that result. You know, Tommy Asu's role in in these games have been been outstanding. You know, so scored a goal. By the way, congrats yeah. to him. I think that that's his first goal for Arsenal. Exactly, it was only fiftieth appearance, and and so it's it's it, again. I come back to it: starters and finishers, having the players to finish these games. Some of Jorginho's best games have been closing out results. I think that's a great mm-hmm. role for him. I think he's really good at it. You know, I know it didn't happen against Spurs, or maybe a bit cold, but it's having these abilities to make sure when we have to make changes. To manage the load on players. That is one of my biggest worries at the moment. When I look at our season, I look at I just don't see any days off. I don't see any days off. It was it's quite interesting actually, yeah. I was in the stadium yesterday. Obviously, we did our recording afterwards. And I'm normally out there when I do a recording quite quickly, but it was a little bit longer. 
I just sort of went back, had a little look inside, and I've never seen it. And I knew where the I looked on the pitch, and they were, we were doing a, a full training session on the pitch after the game. So normally, it's crazy. normally you see players. What does that say do, about Sheffield? You know, <laughs> we, <laughs> we, needed, we needed some workouts. Yeah, yeah. We, we, what you do when you when you don't play, you do what they call penalty box runs, right? So you run between the penalty boxes and you do repeat sprints to get your get your get your fitness in, and then you have a day off for the rest of the players mm. the next day, right? So, but we were doing we had the mannequins out. We we're doing pass and follow moves, and we were doing full passing moves, and so all the players didn't play the full ninety were on the pitch and. The subs did come on. And I'm thinking, Craggy, this is what they've got to do to keep their levels high. Back to Smith Row again. We have 400 days off, whatever it is. It's going to be hard. <laughs> do you see what I mean? This is what we have to do to keep our levels, to keep us crisp, to make sure our passes go to feet, to make sure those inches really, they really matter. These are details that we don't always see, the effort they have to put in. And I just thought as in, it was interesting. I've never seen that before in a home game. Never seen them put the mannequins out on the pitch and do a, a full session like that. It was really interesting. Yeah, that is, I didn't, I didn't know that either. Um, so a couple other things real quick. We, we haven't mentioned Kivior. I mean, I, I think it, this sort of goes back to what I said at the beginning of the game, uh, beginning of the pod. I think when William Saliba's back there, whoever's standing next to him is going to feel pretty confident. Um, Saliba for me was aside from Eddie, obviously the, the man of the match just absolutely dominates his areas with his physicality and his quality, but Kivior still had to go out there, be on the pitch, you know, be part of the game. I, he did so little Clive that sticks out in my mind, but last season fell apart. Cause when we needed to call on central defenders, they weren't there. We feel a lot more solid. Tomiyasu came on and scored a goal. Kivior came on. Um, you know, we were able to get Ben White some rest. I mean, talk about a good, a good day at the office. Martinelli gets off early. Saka gets off early. Ben White gets, you know, a, a, an early exit from the game. Um, yeah, I mean, we just have to be feeling really good about how we managed our way through the game. Any thoughts on Kivior's performance? Though? I like the player a lot. I liked him from the first time I see him, from the first time we scouted him. I like him. I think he's, he's a young defender who's got huge potential. Once he gets more aggressive in, when he needs to, which he does, by the way, when he needs to, that's coming to him more naturally. I think his reading is smart. I think his ball play is just right up there, right up there. And, um, and his speed is good. You know, if he can get more, I call hunting speed, aggressive speed, I think that will come in time as he gets more experience. I do like him. Listening to Arteta, though, I think this is a, we have a, a problem pending in our squad. And I think he, he mentioned in a press conference, again, I'm not sure if I dreamt it, but I'm sure I didn't, that we have seven players in our back line. And that's one, that's one too short for him. Right? So, and also we've got an injury there. So, come January, I believe... We may lose Tommy Asset to the Asian Cup for a couple of weeks, good to two, three weeks. So we've got a problem there. So although we are looking at Ivan Tony's of this world, the manager could be looking and saying, I have to make sure these players stay fit. I have mm. to rotate them. I can't afford to lose them when we turn the corner in January. I might not have to I haven't got enough players to rotate. I've got to make sure I watch the load of these players. Potentially Will we see a player come in into that back line to make sure we can keep the Williams Levers and the Gabriels on the pitch for when it counts in March, April, and May? And so that could be something that may not be as exciting for us. Um, looking and wanting a new striker or a winger. By the way, Pedro Neta popped his hamstring yesterday, so another yeah. player struggling with injury and he had to be stretched off. So that doesn't look like a, a grade one to me. 
that looks pretty serious, a shame for him. And so we want these exciting signings, but when it comes down to it, the risk is in in, in back end of our pitch. That's where we have a, a shortage. And so it'd be interesting to see what we do uh, in that period when January comes. Felt a little bit too like this was Mikel getting the squad positioned for that Newcastle game. Bit of rotation yeah. in this game. Got some players off early. We play West Ham in the League Cup midweek, but it's a trip to Newcastle next weekend, and they will be down a few players, um, which doesn't hurt. How do you think he approaches the West Ham game? I, I think, as you know, I would be totally fine with us playing literally whoever he wants to put out there. We know how Mikel is. He's not going to throw away a game. But I've always thought it's weird that we rate all these players in our squad, but if we heavily rotate, then there's some suggestion that we're throwing the cup. Like, we... You're not throwing away the cup playing these other very good players you have in your squad. I'd expect to see it heavily rotated. There will probably be a few more key first-choice type players in it than I'd, I'd maybe want with Newcastle at the weekend. But but how do you think he'll approach it? I'd like to see a couple people. I wouldn't mind seeing Declan Rice stay at home, if I'm honest with you. I think England will play him all the time because that's what they do. He always gives you the impression that he can play every minute of every game. We must not abuse that player. So I wouldn't mind seeing him stay at home and see others take that that position. And the rest will be um, all about minutes, really. And we may not see everybody we know start, but we may see them come on towards the end of the game. And that's the way Arteta does it. You know, you can Saka may not start, but I think he'll he'll finish the game. You know, and and that may be the way we'll approach it. So everyone gets their time. So everyone gets their time out on the the next day, and then they can prepare for for Newcastle in the in the right way. So it's about balancing the load in the squad. So I think I think he'll do that. I think Newcastle again, it's a tough opposition for us, but they are also in Europe. I think they travel to Dortmund after us, Elliot, which is a which is mm, a that's correct, really, and it's going to be a must win for them. I think it's or a really must important get something game. from the game. So they, you know, we will be their trap and game potentially. Right? Do they play? I want to say they play like United in the cup or something. Yeah, I think they got right. United midweek yeah. in the in the in the League Cup, and so they got yeah. a big week, right? So, yeah. so and it's just, it's new for them as well, right? And um, they got players returning from injury, players dropping out of injury, much like we have. Funny that the top teams have got the similar problems. You know, and losing players. They also have a player times. going away for for gambling. So yeah, <laughs> well, that's that, happened as well. And so uh, then they may get. Let's not go there. They may get in on loan because that opens up a whole new, whole new uh, can of worms. But but yeah, I think it's we might be going there at a good time. You know, because of because of Sheffield, because it wasn't too taxing for us. And Wednesday will take care of itself from a load perspective. We can mix and match. So we then actually go to Newcastle against a team with similar pressures, probably a smaller squad, and we can go there and execute. And I, I really got a good feeling for us. And I do. I couldn't help but watch yesterday's game and think about Newcastle. I don't know. I don't think I was the only one. It's almost like we were looking ahead to the week. Yep. I think Arteta looked back. He, yeah, we looked back. He looked. He, he mentioned about we had a we had City, we had Chelsea, we had Seville. Really hard games. Really hard games. We managed to get two wins and a draw out of that. And now we come into this next set of games and we're well positioned. Right? Okay, injury is the only thing which is the cloud, right? So if we had Jesus and party, we'd be sitting back with a cigarette on, right? So, but yeah, it is what it is. We have to just face it what we have. And we're very fortunate that the players that are stepping in at the moment have done a good job. 
Yeah. Well, I guess just in summary, a very weird occasion, a, a Premier League game that had no sense of jeopardy. And so just the atmosphere and the experience of it was very straight. It was very fun. It was very joyful. But like you couldn't even really get the songs going. You couldn't really get the atmosphere going because the game had so little jeopardy. <clears throat> it was tremendously enjoyable to see, obviously. And and it, you always get to see some things, I think, when you're there that you can't see on the TV cameras. So I, you know, I enjoy that aspect of it. Enjoy seeing the people, that aspect of it. And um you have to be a very good team to blow a Premier League team away like that, though. You do. You, you I don't care how bad they are. You have to make them uh, look bad. And we made them look very bad. And that's that that's job done. And and tonight you get the Manchester Derby. And you know what I love about it, Clive? Uh, just we get ready to sign off here is I, I find this game a very enjoyable one to watch because if United get something, then it's brilliant because City have dropped points. But if United get hammered, that's brilliant too because United are getting hammered and that's fun for me to see. So it's like, th this is one of those fixtures that I really enjoy because the outcome is either good for us in the in the table or just good for us from a Schadenfreude perspective because I always like seeing United get, get embarrassed. Yeah, it's really nice. When you win, you can sit back and watch everybody else do their thing, right? And you can't lose, mm -hmm. right? So it's, 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 just, it's just about what we do and it's all about points accumulation at this point in time. And also just not losing people, you know? The build-up to Seville, we lose party, and, and during the game, we lose Jesus. I mean, man, we can't, don't want to be losing people in these games. We just need to get get out of there, get out of the pitch, get out of Dodge, get out of there with all our bodies intact, right? And then that's what we need to do so we can continue this. And it's very difficult sometimes. It's really frustrating to watch these players drop out. But yeah, Man United, Man City, it's a big day for Manchester United, people with Bobby Charlton passing. That's going to be a big day, emotional day in the stadium. You know, mm. one of the greatest English player of our of our in our history, in my opinion. A truly great man, and it's going to be a big day for them. So they're going to put on a, a a big performance for them, and so yeah, it's going to be an interesting watch. But um, Man City, they're not going anywhere. Win or lose, they're not going anywhere, are they? They know the course. They know the course. We've learned a little bit about the course, and I think part of what we're seeing is us adapting to what the course really is. We just need to keep our keep our heads on as we build this group towards the Christmas period. Okay, let's leave it there. I think that's enough. Obviously, you can tell from my voice I'm struggling a bit. I've got the flight tomorrow. going to watch the Derby somewhere tonight, and then hopefully, hopefully make it a little bit of a lighter, shorter night tonight. Uh, get up early and, and fly home where uh, I can try to live a slightly different lifestyle <laughs> yes. and go uh, trick-or-treating trick in the freezing Minnesota weather with two little girls dressed up as uh, whatever silly things we're going to pick this season. So should be nice. Always great to be over here. Great to see everybody. Clive, uh, obviously, a dear friend. Love you. It was great to see you and uh, yeah, hope to see you again you, soon. Good to see you, man. Good yep. to see Tim as well last night. And yep. James, yep. Andrews, so many, so many people. And um, it's really yep. nice to meet you all. And, uh, and thanks for all the support that we get. Really appreciate it. Well said. My name's Elliot Smithy, Bob Mentoring, and Gunner Clive Hunter, Clive PFC. Uh, we love you, and we will talk to you after Arsenal 10, West Ham. Mm -hmm.